All right, guys, so for today's episode, we're going to have the one and only Dennis Hiller. He was able to raise a total amount to $259 million. He is now operating a really high level on one of the fastest growing sales incentive management softwares. On top of that, he's going to share some of his best tips on sales team management. And yeah, nowadays he is actually operating as the head of marketing for a super fast growing SaaS company. And yeah, guys. Let's see you guys on the internet. Remember, if you guys are interested in scaling your marketing agency, book a time to call with us. You can see a little bit of our lead hooks approach. And yeah, aside from that, guys, see you on the interview. All right, all right, guys. So for today's episode, we're going to have the one and only Dennis Hiller. Uh, guys, listen, we're going to definitely start venturing to new topics, new teams. Um, we to, for today's episode, we're going to start talking about sales teams and devising, how to raise money for whenever you're starting your business and you might be needing to go that extra mile. Um, we're going to start discussing a little bit more of what the actual day-to-day -day life of a, a head of marketing operator looks like, right? And I mean, this is going to be super valuable. More than anything, for those a little bit more advanced um, entrepreneurs that maybe are not just wondering about, hey, how can I get started? How do I choose a niche? This is going to be a little bit more advanced. But that being said, guys, uh, I want you to, to sit down, pay attention, because for today's episode, we're going to be for a very big treat, right? So Dennis, my man. Please go ahead and, and let us know a little bit of who you are, your background, how you ended up on Silicon Valley, Hollywood, all of this good jazz, man. Enrique, thank you for having me on the Agency Games podcast. I'm so happy to be here, first of all. Thank and you. And I'll give you guys um, a quick background, and then I'm sure we can sort of dive deeper. So uh, I am a marketer. I've always been a marketer. That's been my entire career. But at the end of the day, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been part of entrepreneurial teams and we built some pretty cool stuff. So at the moment, I am the head of marketing at a company called Zensen, a software company. We'll, we can get more into that later. Um, and my career has been split between the worlds of tech and the world of entertainment. And there are many similarities and differences. So I was on the founding team of a company called Anchor Free. Um, we built one of the first VPN products in the world called Hotspot Shield. And um, so practically with no budget, I grew that uh, user base from zero to 100,000 users. Happy to share how. We ended up uh, raising um, $50 million from Goldman Sachs and the company was sold in 2018 for $295 million, if you yeah, can well, believe that. So a lot of value was created. <laughs> that, that's crazy, man. Literally. Big number, right? Yeah. Uh, and I don't want anyone to think that I have all that. I don't. I got yeah. my little piece and thank you. But a lot of people were involved in that. And then um, I also uh, was part of a founding team of a company called Uloop in the college space. And we raised our Series A from a company called Gannett, which is a Fortune 500 company here in the U.S., and, uh, you know, it's a big media company. It owns a lot of properties like USA Today and so many others. So they were big champions of ours. And then um, I uh, uh, switched over into the entertainment industry. And I'm happy to share how that happened. But I basically pivoted from Silicon Valley to Hollywood. And, uh, you know, I ended up uh, traveling the world many times over with electronic music artists for a few years. And, you know, we hit all the entertainment hotspots, uh, you know, Ibiza, Miami, Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a wild time. And then I ended up actually 
moving off the airplane and into the world of Hollywood and working on the more corporate side of entertainment. But again, it was always marketing and PR, right? And so I ended up working with a gentleman named Max Vangeli. I ended up uh, working for a record label called Size Records, which is an imprint of Steve Angelo of the Swedish House Mafia, which some people may have heard of. And so, you know, I ended up... uh, Anyways, I don't want to get into, t- I, I could go on and on, but yes. and, uh, uh, I, I created a, helped create a label called No Face Records. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I, that's basically that. So that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. And then at the moment, I'm deep into another uh, startup called uh, Zencentive. So um, it, in the sales uh, commission, sales compensation space, we can get more into that. But Enrique, that's me in a nutshell, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you very much, my man. I appreciate uh, sharing with all of us the the background that you have, man. And I mean, I found it just incredible uh, that capacity that you've been like from from basically pivoting from being pre- first of all uh, on the marketing space, then being in entertainment, going in tech, man. Like it's literally just incredible. Uh, something specifically that I would like you to to touch on that you just mentioned, brother, and that is going to be super valuable for most of the people that are going to be listening to the pod- this podcast. It's a little bit of what is that day-to-day life or that day-to-day workflow that you have now nowadays as a head of marketing? Because uh, I, I don't know, like specifically, what does that work involve? Like, for example, um, are you just checking on different accounts or, or how ads running, or just how the, the entire performance of the team is, or etc. Right? Like, how do, what does your your work involve nowadays, man? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. So. Uh, If you think about it, so uh, the company that I'm currently a part of is uh, on the founding team, right? Because we're a team of eight at the moment, um, is B2B. So we make software and that software sits in sales departments and uh, sales reps use it and um, what's called sales ops uses it. And it's a tool to really... Uh, motivate sales sales reps, right? Yeah. And so um, in a B2B environment, I think that's true in B2C too, but in a B2B environment, marketing's primary role is the top of the funnel, right? It's to generate those opportunities, the leads, the demand. The attention, towards, yeah. The attention to bring, to bring in new business. Yeah. So when you look at... Um, when you look at what, and, and uh, you know, we just closed an angel round, so I was involved in that. But in terms of day-to-day, because I'm in a startup, every day is different. For example, we are um, creating content, right? So we're creating lots of content. And then, and then there are questions around what kind of content do you create? Is this really helping our audience, right? Um, and, then, and then we have in-person content. Like we have uh, November 16th, we're creating... Uh, we're organizing our first event in San Francisco um, and the topic, because obviously there's inflation going on all around the world. And so the topic of the evening is going to be um, sales compensation in inflationary times. And we have a great panel of industry experts. And so there's going to be time for them to speak, for audience members to ask questions, for people to network and meet one another. Um, and, you know, so I'm, I'm measuring, I'm figuring out. And, and also the thing is at the moment, 
it, where where we are is we are we are uh, a new player in the space, right? So there are maybe uh, ten competitors or so. We they have significantly more money than us because we're a new player, and so we have to be more creative and we have to uh, look at the opportunities that they might miss, right? And we have to count every dollar. So for if, if yeah. we're looking at paid, we have to understand: okay, is this really worth it? Because if you have uh, $30 million worth of venture capital in, in the bank, it, that's one calculation. On the other hand, if you have significantly less money in the bank, then you, uh, anyway, so so that's, that's kind of what I do. So what I do is yeah. I look at our overall marketing picture. I work with our freelancers. I work with our team. I work with our designer and just try to push the message forward. But mo- most importantly, it's not, as you know, with modern marketing, it's not just pushing a message it's not just propaganda it's really trying to add value and create a community so on 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 that note dennis i think that just to to leverage the fact that again not only that you're the head of marketing but that you're literally uh battling against giants right now right Uh, like you were saying before uh i think that's something that might be interesting to talk about is how to actually differentiate yourself when you are a smaller uh let's say fish on a on a big pond right so how 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 are you guys currently going about um, making an impact and, and having that that separation on the marketplace uh, while while battling with these giants like you guys are doing right now? Like some tips, maybe or yep. best practices to 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 let's say outperform uh, heavier players uh, that have been maybe for longer, right? Yes. Well, thanks for the question. I mean, the thing is, let's look at it from the perspective of our space, and hopefully the everyone listening can or watching can apply it to their own scenario because everybody's going against giants right in one way or another and so if you think about it what do we do right what does incentive do what do some of our competitors do what we do is we are in the sales commission sales compensation space we automate sales commissions right so what does that mean if you think about a nuanced sale Right. So so when when you look at the world of software, insurance, finance, right, if you if you look at, for example, Salesforce, right, when 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 Salesforce sells the Salesforce product or any of their products or Oracle or some of these other great companies, one person doesn't touch the sale. Right. You might have an account executive. You have a sales uh, development rep. You might have uh, an engineer, a product specialist, so many people. So it's very possible that 10 to 50 people, Enrique, touch one set. Right. And then uh, sales operations and finance have a huge headache on their hands because they say, how are we going to divide this commission against all these people? Right. You could, it could live in a spreadsheet, but quickly that becomes very, very complex and it should yeah. live in a spreadsheet. But the other question is, and this goes back to the sales compensation plan is how, uh, how do you motivate a salesperson? Right. In other words, if they, if their quota is half a million dollars, if they have to sell half a million dollars worth of software, how do you motivate them to knock it out of the park and sell a million and a half dollars worth, right? And that's where you get into 
tiers. For example, maybe you get 8% commission up to 500K, and then you get 10% up to tier two, tier three, tier four. And you can do all this stuff manually. And it was done for years manually, but then sales compensation software came in, which would be anyway. So bottom line is that's the world we swim, right? But your question was, how do you compete against giants? And I, I think there's there's two ways you compete against giants. The first is on the product or service that you deliver, right? Because you can be as good of a marketer as you want, but if the product or service sucks, well, I'm sorry that that's not going to help, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, but so in our case, I feel very confident coming into this crowded field because we've built a better mousetrap, right? It's not like we went into a space and we're creating something that wasn't already there, right? We are, we are, we are coming into a space that's almost 20 years old and saying, we've done something better. And, 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 and how did we do something better? We did something better because uh, the other founders worked in this space their entire careers, you know, uh, at companies like Tesla and so many others and did this and they used our competitors and realized they found the holes and said, no, 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 this is too complex. So when our competitors might have more money, but it, it, it costs more to implement their services. They're not out of the box. Basically, we have two types of competitors, the way I see it. The first type of competitor has all the features needed for an enormous enterprise, right? But they require professional services. So in other words, their salespeople will come to you, Enrique, and they'll say, hey, we have this great solution. It's going to save you a lot of time. You say, awesome. You get it through the system. Day one comes along and your sales operations team says, let's go. And they realize, holy cow, this thing is so complicated. We have to go back to the company and buy fifty dollars to $100,000 to $500,000 worth of consulting services, right? So you almost feel treated. And then every time you need to calibrate it. And so it has what you want, but also it doesn't really automate. And then on the other hand, we have competitors who have really dumbed it down. They've simplified it, right? So they took out a lot of the steps and they said, okay, we're going to... Um, make it really, really simple. So now you don't need the consulting, but then as your company scales, right? Scaling is the name of the game. You can't use them. And then you go back to the other people. And, and so, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so what we managed to do is build a product that has the complexity because our entire team has enterprise experience. But on the other hand, we simplified it. We create Zen tier incentives. So that's that's the product side. We have the product. We have what I believe is the winning product. And then on the marketing side, what it really is, is looking for, for needles in the haystack. In other words, if our competitors can have a machine gun, they can just go, we yeah. can't. We have to be selective, right? So... Um, you know, we really look at what are we writing about, right? What are the events we're organizing? How can we do it cheaper? You know, I just spoke with a conference. I'm not going to name names, but it, a booth there costs $55,000, right? That's for our competitors. That's nothing. So they're there. And, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, let's go spend the money. Let's go nuts. Maybe we'll get there. But at this point, we're saying that's fine. We can't spend 55. We don't want to spend $55,000. We don't know if we'll see the return. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. So we're organizing our own event. And a lot of people are coming in San Francisco, November 6th. You know what I mean? So uh, 16th, excuse me. Uh, That's really all I can tell you is, is I'm trying to figure out like the, the maker of Ikea, right? The guy who invented Ikea said, look, 
anybody, if you have an unlimited budget, anybody can create great furniture. Our challenge is to create great furniture at an affordable price. And similarly, my challenge and my team's challenge is to do amazing marketing that converts on a shoestring budget. That is success for us right now. Wow, man. I think that there's no better way to put it, man, to be honest. And uh, brother, you know, because something that that maybe not only for myself, uh, when, when I got to know you, we crossed heads on on, on LinkedIn, right? Um, but a lot of people, maybe from the introduction that you made in the in the beginning of the podcast, is when you mentioned the the number two hundred ninety five million, right? So, <laughs> brother, I want to know, like, for for entrepreneurs or SaaS founders or whoever is in need to 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 raise some money or some funding, uh, what would be like some best practices or or some tips or some how tos on how to actually raise this money? Like what, what, what are your, a little bit your experience and yep. something that you would like to share with everyone, right? Yeah, I'd be happy to share. And, and the thing is, if you think about it, money resources are the lifeblood of any business, right? So there are a few ways to get there. And, and honestly, even services raise business, you know, uh, um, agencies, bigger agencies raise, raise money. Um, and so it's, it's essential, right? Yeah. And so there, there are three ways to get there the way I see it. You can bootstrap, meaning you go out and you get a bunch of clients and then you sort of self-fund your growth. The other way is you can do what's called debt, right? Which is you have a certain amount of cash flow and then you go to the bank or you go to certain uh, financial institutions and say, hey, we're making whatever, $20,000 a month. We need a loan for this amount, uh, a line of credit. And then, and then you're playing that game. But obviously what intrigues people is, hey, we can go out and, and raise some money. We think we really have something here. And I think, um, you know, and as I mentioned, we just raised our, our angel funding. Um, and, you know, at some point we're going to raise a venture round. And it, I've, I've done this before with, with, with other teams. And I think let, it's, a, it's a nuanced topic, but let's sort of simplify it. Um, you... First of all, like uh, uh, it's a relationship game, right? So everybody who has in, uh, invested in Zencentive, and the same can be true for Anchor Free and Uloop and all the other companies I've been involved in. But every my my current star, everybody who uh, invested in Zencentive has a deep relationship with us, okay? So we didn't just go out to random strangers and and you can do that. I've seen a lot of people do yeah. that. But we didn't, luckily we didn't really have to. So we stayed in the family. And um, so, but that makes it really personal, right? So if you're approaching your friends, your family, your coworkers, and they're putting their hard-earned money on the line, like you better be serious about what you're doing because, Yeah, you know, this is this people's life's work you're talking about. And so um, I think you have to come with a vision, right? And in the earlier stages, it's really the team, right? So 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 the question isn't the idea because the idea evolves, right? But the question is, is this the team that's going to take it to the moon? And so um, what you do is you create a pitch deck, right? You create a And, and, and the main thing is you need, they need to understand like why, what is this going to do? In other words, wh what is the potential outcome, right? 
And, and how, how will I benefit from this? But what is your company going to do with these resources, right? What, what is the purpose of this round? So, for example, in the case of our angel round, um, the purpose is to develop the product, right? Software development and to go to market and acquire additional customers and, and take us sort of to the, to the next level. But broadly speaking, you have to have a plan. You have to have some uh, a vision. Uh, you have to you have to have a lot of energy because and and I think you also have to have somewhat of a um, a thick skin because investors will challenge you. This is their hard earned money, whether they're per private investor or fund or whatever. Like this, is their hard earned money, and they get pitched all the time. It's like applying to. Harvard University, not everyone <laughs> yes. can get in, you know what I mean? Like, but I, I hopefully that um, that kind of covers it a little bit. Yeah, sure, sure, man, sure. Uh, something that, again, um, maybe for, for because something that I found incredible when I got to know you is like the, the amount of countries that your entire business uh, is, I mean, the, the, the amount of places that you have people that are working in for that same business, right? Uh, so, um, I mean, I know that you guys, of course, are like basically the go-to guys when it comes to sales team, incentivizing, et cetera. And I want to touch a little bit more maybe after this question, but some tips on maybe uh, team management, team building, project management, uh, communication when it's like, I don't, I don't know exactly how many uh, people you have working for, for the business, but I guess that dozens, right? So that being said, brother, like some, some best practices on on maybe how to 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 manage remote teams, right? And and I would love it to be honest if you go into the details. Like, of course, you don't have to say like, hey, at 8 p.m. we do a beginning of day report where we say how many sales. I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking more like, for example, uh, for people, how to how to conduct or how to how to go about the meetings that you do on a daily or weekly or bi-weekly or monthly basis. Or if meetings should be done in the first place in order to manage a, a remote team, you, you know that type of things like more more detailed, more uh, actionable. If that makes sense on on remote team management, I think that would be super valuable. One hundred percent. Well, let's be honest. After for, uh, company, I mean, people have been working remotely for a long time, well before this COVID thing. Right. But now it became the norm, which is awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, like like uh, I've I've lived in big cities my entire life. Los Angeles, San Francisco, Miami, you know, like Stockholm, Mexico City, uh, many others. And um, but now I live in a small town. Me and my wife and baby were trying it and it's cool. And it's it's I think it's really interesting that people can be location independent. I think it's, um, we're lucky to live in this time, uh, yeah. at least this part of it. Right. And, um, but then the question becomes, as you mentioned, how do you, how do you get on the same page when you're across time zones? And um, when, how, how do you do that? Right. How do you use this advantage rather than turning it into a negative? And so um I, let's just talk about our own company. Um, uh, so first of all, we hold two company-wide meetings a week. Okay. So one on Wednesdays and one on Sundays when we work weird hours, but point is we do those and um, I find them incredibly helpful. 
Um, so, uh, you know, different people report on what's going on in different parts of the company, development, finance, marketing, you know, you name it, it's happening. Um, and, uh, you know, we're sharing information across, across all the time, what's called asynchronously, right? Um, and we can get into asynchronous work a little bit, but um, at the end of the day, the, those meetings sort of bring us together. Um, I think also you need some offsites as well. Uh, if you're going to be remote, if you're working in an office, you know, I mean, you need them to a certain extent. But if you're if you're around a country or around the world, you need to get together. You need to have that camaraderie. But I think at a minimum, our meetings uh, are really motivating because. Um, you know, you get to see what's going on. Some of those wins when you're working at a startup, it's definitely a roller coaster. You have ups and downs and it's, it's exciting to celebrate to, you know, uh, uh, tell people good job when they're doing something interesting. So I think those meetings really keep us focused, right? So, uh, we have two meetings, uh, uh, a week. So that's, uh, give or take a hundred meetings a year. Um, they're each an hour. So two hours of our week looks like that. Um, and I think it's great. Other than that, I think um, when you ma uh, manage a, a team, when you work as a team, uh, uh, everybody should go out and get Slack or a tool like that. If you're not using it already, super important. Um, yeah. You know, it's chat, it's, it's a lot of things, project management, but I think also, you have to work asynchronously. That's super important, right? So we have, in our company, we have people on the West Coast uh, time zone of the U.S., East Coast. That's already a three-hour difference. We have people in Eastern Europe, right? Asia, you name it. And so you have to work asynchronously. And, and you have to be okay with the fact that people have different styles of work, right? Um, so somebody might be a morning person. Somebody might be an evening person. Just it's it's more about the project and getting things done and and um, but at the same time I think there needs to be uh, project management and also there needs to be accountability and I think something specific to startups and this is true for all startups not just virtual yeah. I think the name of the game with startups is you need people who get the vision and are working all the time are productive all the time because um, you're creating something out of nothing. You're creating demand out of nothing. You're disrupting a market, right? So if you have someone who's just taking orders and that person might do really well in a bigger company, a cog in a wheel, but I think in a startup, they're just going to drag everybody down. They're going to be the weakest link. Like you, if you're a developer, you just need to be knocking down those tickets, right? Like finish this, finish that, finish that. Oh, I had this idea. If you're, if you're a marketer, you need to be coming up with ideas. You need to be creating partnerships, whatever it is. It's true for sales. It's true for all of it. But yeah. that's, that's sort of the mentality. And hopefully that explains how uh, a little bit about um, remote, remote work. Sure. And one, one thing that maybe I would love to, to dive more in depth is actually, um, it, 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 well, it's actually twofold because I, I would love to know like in the day-to-day -day life, not only like in terms of weekly meetings or bi-weekly meetings, but maybe in the day-to-day -day life as a manager, right? Or, or as the head of a certain department, right. what should your focus be? And on the flip side, uh, how, how I, I don't know if you use a certain project management tool aside from Slack, right? But that's more like for communication, et cetera. But uh, if there's a specific tool, how do you guys do the 
the actual managing, right? If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, on a daily basis, um, I mean, for me, no two days look alike. So I yeah. just try to take them as they come. Like, for example, you and I had this conversation, right? Yesterday, I didn't have a podcast conversation. So this is a part of the day. Yeah. Uh, and But I, I was able to share it with my team and they got excited, right? Um, yeah. And... Uh, uh, it's it's checking in with with team members right so so at the moment um we have a bunch of initiatives going on right so we have an event in san francisco we're considering uh in q1 2023 doing an event in la uh we talked about miami washington dc so there's you know there's a lot happening uh we're creating content right so i'm talking to my designer um I'm talking to a content person. Uh, I'm talking to my CEO. Uh, uh, and, and honestly, a lot of it is um, just understanding where we're at, giving people a pat on the back for keeping us moving. Uh, in terms of project management, we use JIRA. Uh, and that's really um, because of our developers. So the developer, we're primarily development company, but um, they used it and I figured, great, let's throw marketing in there too, right? And then also, um, you know, we have certain other initiatives that we're working on. Like, for example, right now we're entirely in English, but um, the world speaks more than one language. And, uh, you know, me gustaría traducción en español y otros idiomas. So, uh, you know, <laughs> international, think global, right? Live local, but think global. So um, that's that's kind of a day in the life is going into that project management, slacking with team members. Um, having one-on-ones, um, but I don't think, you know, at least the way I run things, we're not, uh, you know, I, I just caught up with an investor of ours this morning, so it was interesting talking to her, she mentioned um, that, uh, you know, we should meet with someone else, um, so I think it's a, it's basically just knocking out projects that we have, but also being open to sort of new stuff and whatever the universe throws our way, so hopefully that um, helps in terms of and then obviously, you know, I run a department, but we have a CEO who has vision for the company and the CEOs out there communicating that vision to me and to all the other members of the team. We have investors who are looking for something. We have customers who are looking for certain things. So it's just all of us working together to both maintain where we are and to grow this rocket ship. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. Man, that's incredible. Um I don't know if I should ask this man to be honest, but um, for example, for let's let's put it this way, right? For a lot of people, managing the sales team itself is super hard, right? It's, it's mostly keeping up with the commissions or maybe paychecks, depending on how they go about it. Um, there's keeping track of who makes which sale when depending on, on if they're booking demos or if they're doing high ticket sales, for example. I mean, I know that it can be a mess, right? Um, I would I would like to ask about some specifically. I, I know that you maybe did a little bit of a spoiler earlier when you mentioned that there could be tiers, etc. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, man, some 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 best tips on on sales team incentivizing. And another thing that I want you to 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 be fully transparent about, man, like um, who 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 is um incentive uh, a good tool for? Like who, who's who's the yeah. perfect man for for incentive? Like because I know that for a lot of people that maybe are just getting started and mm -hmm. that. Are, maybe solopreneurs making their first sales, they're going to feel that like this is a topic <laughs> that is completely out of the realm. Like it's like, yeah, man, this is not for me, right? 
but maybe it is right and we just want mm-hmm. to make sense like we want to make sure that people that listen to the podcast actually uh, get full, full clarity on who's the, who's this for who's not for which is just as important and yeah man so maybe how sensitive and the overall platform can uh, play a good role in the sales team incentivizing, et cetera, now as a manager, right? So a little bit on that, man. I don't know if it's a little bit of a of a mess of a question, but yeah. No, it's a great question. Thank you. Um, first of all, I'm going to give us a plug. Um, go to zencentivzencentiv.com slash blog, or just go to our site and hit the blog. Yeah. We have a lot of information and a growing collection of information about sales, about yeah. incentivizing sales teams, and that is applicable to everybody. So whether you are a solo entrepreneur and you need to kick your own butt to sell, right, or or you're an enormous enterprise, there's there's a lot there. There's a glossary of terms. There's, uh, uh, you know, sales uh, commissions. I mean, th- there's so much there. My point is we're putting out content. Just check it out. I, I think you'll really find it useful. We put a lot of time into it. And just a marketing note um, for all my marketers out there, which is your audience and content creators, don't just create for the sake of creating, okay? Like, really put yourself in your audience's shoes and ask yourself, is this useful? If I was on the other side of the coin, would I actually benefit from this? Or is this some SEO nonsense? It's okay to put in keywords, okay to do all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, is this substantive? Is this something that no one else has said? So anyways, um, with with that said, as far as uh, our our product, the Zencentive product, so um, our sweet spot is teams of ten salespeople all the way up to thousands of people. But on the other hand, if you have uh, a team of three salespeople, can you work with us? Yes, you can. I think in a few ways. So first of all, we just rolled out. Um, a service, um, literally free of charge. Anybody can take advantage of it. So we rolled out a service that we're doing, uh, which is called Sales Compensation Plan Consulting, right? And it's thirty a thirty minute call with our team. Just go on our site, book a book a call. We're not going to try to sell you software. None of that. I mean, I wouldn't mind if you bought the software, but that's not the purpose of the call. Uh, there's no demo. Okay. The purpose is we're going to dive deep into your goals. And we're going to look at your current sales compensation structure. And based on our understanding of sales commission, sales compensation and motivating sales teams, we're going to give you some actionable items on how to improve for 2023 and beyond. So anybody who can benefit from that, go ahead and do it. Um, Because as I mentioned, I partnered up with veterans, people who have worked sales compensation at the highest levels of Silicon Valley and beyond. And we're legitimately setting on a lot of knowledge. Um, But beyond that, um, I think this is the way to look at it. If you want to motivate your sales team, uh, or if you want to grow as a company, right? Because that's really your goal, right? Is is how can we grow as a company? So uh, you need to align your company goals with your sales team's incentives, if you want to motivate a team. So I'll give you an example. I spoke with a company the other day, um, a small company, and they had a really simple compensation structure. The compensation structure was their sales team of 20 people had a group goal. And if they hit their group goal, 
they get a bonus. That's it. So if you attain what that's called quota attainment, right? So if you attain 100% of your quota, you get some kind of bonus. In my experience, that's not the ideal. That's that, that's okay, but you can do a lot better than that. And, and, and I'll tell you why. If you think about it, if you have a team of 20, you have, you have sales reps who are your top, you have people who are dragging you down, and then you have people in the middle, right? And what we do is really to encourage people at the bottom and middle to move up, to move up everything, right? And so if I were in that company's shoes, I would look at, uh, first of all, measuring the individual reps and having individual goals right? It's not a problem to have a team goal. That's awesome. Uh, maybe create a, a, a team goal for the manager, right? But then for the individuals, look at things like sales tiers, right? So for example, um, it, it, this, is, this is a pretty simple example. We can get much more nuanced and that's, that's the point of the product and, and, and you know, consulting and all that stuff. But simply, let's just make it really simple. You get 8% commission, uh, if you attain your quota, right? So zero to 100%, you're at 8%. Mm-hmm. But then 100 to 150%, you get 11%. And then when you're 200%, right? Then maybe you're at some enormous, like double commission. <laughs> you want your sales reps dreaming of that double commission, right? Because that in turn makes them perform their best. They focus on on maybe there's maybe there are certain deals which went dead and they need to grow them, or they focus on certain areas. That's how you do it. Like if you want your best from your salespeople, reward them appropriately and incentivize that kind of behavior. So that's just a simple example, right? But but at the end of the day. If you want your company to succeed, you really, really need to dive deep into your sales compensation plan. And, and you really need to look at things from the point of view of your salespeople because you want those people pumped. They're the lifeblood of your business, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, of course, it depends on the product, on the business and everything. But And these are people that all day long, they hear no's, right? They are literally just going there to be treated disrespectfully, maybe, or some some random things that might happen on the day-to-day sales. That I mean, these are the people that actually go in and in, in are the cavalry of the business, right? Those are the people that are on the trenches fighting, right? Just to see if I understood correctly your examples. Um, does does this does that type of incentive typically goes like on an individual level? Like, for example, the actual uh, sales rep that closes uh, maybe uh, double the quarter. Or, or is it more like on, like you said at the beginning, on groups, like people that uh, if all of these get to a certain level, you get the double commission to to everybody. No, it's a, it's an individual level, right? Like I'm looking at a blog post on our site right now called Tiered Sales Commission, right? Yeah. And and we use the example of a four tier sales commission plan, right? So tier one is seven percent, tier two is nine percent, tier three is eleven percent, tier four is fourteen percent, double. This is a very this is this is how people in software finance and certain other uh, industries are are compensated, right? And 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 that's just basic. You can create accelerators. There's there's so much other yeah. nuances to it. But this is 100 real. There's nothing wrong with having. You can create group goals. And also the other thing is, if you think about it, and I think this is an important thing to point out as well, is when you start to get bigger, when you start to go to mid sized and and enterprise, um, uh, when your sales team gets bigger, you. Not everyone's on the same plan. So think about this, right? 
if you have if if you have one person who's selling to small businesses and another person who's selling to enormous businesses, they're going to have a different quota, right? Because if you sell one sale at I don't know, half a million dollars and another person sells sales of $20,000, you can't compensate them the same way and you can't. So anyways, you have to factor in that, you have to factor in territory, you have to factor in so many other things. And then, and then that's the salespeople. But then again, there, there are more people being compensated across the organization, right? So um, uh, again, not to toot our own horn, but we we put out a post called what's the commission structure for the SaaS sales team? And we literally went into how is SDR compensated, sales development, rep, right? So those people have activity quotas, right? So they need to make 30 cold calls a day. Like part of it is you can incentivize literally activity, not just the result, but activity, right? Because they're typically newer in their career and you want them to feel good. Like, yeah, I made those 30 calls. Okay. And, uh, and, yeah. and you know, not, not only that, but also the fact that not all sales calls are made the same, right? Even if it's for the same actual product that you're going to pitch, some people might be booking calls out from a cold call that they made and then they have the actual strategy call on on certain dates. So it's a super cold lead, right? Somebody that actually, for whatever reason, say yes to a cold call. And on the other side, you have maybe for the same product that you can sell, somebody that came from reading all of your blog posts, consuming all of your YouTube content. is like, mm-hmm. hey, I don't even care about uh, who you are. Just, I want to pay. I want to work with you, right? You so also- that's, a, that's a really good point because you have outbound and you have inbound, right? Exactly. Yeah. And an outbound sales development rep well, their job is to hunt, right? Yeah. Whereas an inbound sales development rep, they're 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 really qualifying, right? So as you said, you come in through a piece of content, a lead came in, let's jump on a call, let's understand your needs, blah blah blah, and then pass along. And anyways, yeah, you're right. I mean, th- this stuff is cool, but it's a it's a team sport, and 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 there there are a lot of factors that go in. This is literally what keeps head of sales, chief revenue officers of companies. That all sizes, CEOs. I don't care if you're the CEO of Coca-Cola. I promise you they're thinking about this because it takes <laughs> so much to get this right. Whether you're yeah. a one person company, 10 person or a million. Yeah. And, and, and these things change all the time. And you're like, man, how do I get this right? Because if I get this right, the business goes to the moon. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Very, thank you very much for, for all of this. Um, it's been super valuable. And I, I love the fact that it has been super specific on salespeople. Like it's something that I love about this uh, episode. And just uh, two minutes before before we finish, I always like to ask the podcast guests, like, let's say that somebody was over here and this is the first and last time that they know about Dennis Hiller, who he is. And they you, you want to connect with this person and just tell them one piece of advice one message, like one thing that you want this person to, to know from you or something that you've learned in your life doesn't have to be business related. Of course, you want to make it business related. Cool. But yeah, man, what, what would be some message or some advice that you would like to tell the, the guy on the other side of the screen or the other side of the podcast uh, listening? Life is a book. Every chapter should be interesting. Okay. You can, you can do anything right now. Literally right this second, this is all we have is right now. Yeah. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. And um, I I never went to college, by the way. I never went to college. And, and I have a lot of respect for people who have higher education. I personally don't. So I just flew into life and just keep 
pushing at life. And, and the only time I went back, now I really value education and I learned Spanish and, and all this other stuff. But, but at the end of the day is I would really like for people to forget the idea that they are limited, whether they don't think very highly of themselves, whether they doubt themselves, whether certain challenges look really difficult just chase your dreams, whether those dreams are business, whether it's learning a new sport, whether it's traveling, whether it's learning a language, whatever it is, we have one life. And think of your life as a book. And if the current chapter isn't interesting, it's time for a new chapter. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Man, I love the fact that you decided to, to, to talk something about more, more about life instead of just the, the business aspect, because yeah, it does play a role in business and what you can do about Um, maybe your career development or even starting a business if that's the next chapter. But yeah, man, thank you. Thank you very much, Dennis. Uh, appreciate you coming. Um, brother, thanks for being here. Enrique, my man, I appreciate it. Thanks again. Thanks to you, my man.